0: Mr. G giving props to big boy upstairs because without him I feel, we feel that we wouldn't be here today to do what we do. Uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to kinda of play a play. Let me bring in my esteemed colleague, Doctor Anderson. Are you with us?
1: I am, sir. I am, sir. I'm here, right here, Southern okay. Florida.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> At least now they don't have to look for you on the back of a milk carton because you just told them where you were. <laughs>
1: That's right. Yeah, but Southern Florida is pretty big, man. They might need a milk carton to get me.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, we won't tell them for the proper amount. We'll fill in the address, but we won't Okay. <laughs> well, Good day to you, How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and I'm excited. And, um, you know, this today's show has a special meaning for me also, and – um Hopefully, our listeners will tune in because I know they can get some uh, well-deserved information. And um, introduce our guest,
1: Doctor Smith. Are you with us, Doctor Smith?
2: Yes, I am.
1: Oh, hi! Welcome, welcome to our show.
2: Thank you.
1: I'm going to take just a moment to introduce you, and then Lamont and I have a number of questions, and we'll talk uh, in depth about your topic uh, today. Today we have Dr. Mamie Smith, who is an author, radio talk show host, inspirational speaker, a teacher, a businesswoman, and a musician. She writes on numerous online social media sites has established her own network, theunfoldingofarose.com, and a blog entitled Open Thought at smithmamey.com, which currently sits in the number two position in Google search engines. Her first book, The Unfolding of a Rose, has helped many people experiencing the loss of a loved one, and the second book, Medicine, A Daily Dose of Spirituality, has just been released. She has already received orders from several readers. Dr. Smith uh, received a Bachelor of Science music degree at Austin Peay State University in Tennessee and Master of Music Education and Doctorate of Education from Wayne State University. Her education has been greatly enhanced by traveling extensively, living among other cultures, and teaching in many states in this country and also on Okinawa, Japan. Dr. Smith, welcome to our show. We are very happy to have you. I know that you're going to be talking today about coping with the loss of a child, and I'm hoping that we have a lot of people listening to this because I know this is an excruciatingly painful and also powerful life experience and Thank you for being willing to share about this, and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm delighted that you are having me.
1: So, Lamont, I imagine that you want to start with some questions here.
0: Well, I'm not quite sure which questions I want to start with, but um, I don't know. I guess I want to – I guess it's a statement to Mamie because – I had the unfortunate experience of having to, you know, lost a child in my life. And I know people say some remarkably stupid things. At least I categorize them as stupid. You know, it may not be to somebody else. But, you know, I heard people tell me stuff like, um, I know how you feel. And at the time I was going through, you know, dealing with the loss of my son. You know, I was looking at these people and I'm like, well, if you've never been in my shoes... I mean, how could you possibly know how I feel? And I know they were trying to be helpful and say, you know, some encouraging uplifting things, but sure. I don't know if that was the right thing to say. What you say about that?
2: Well, first I'd like to say that death is something that most people do not know how to deal with. Number one, the human mind doesn't want to talk about it because it feels so final and people shy away they from talking about it and they don't know what to say as that person probably didn't know what to say to you they felt that they should say something but because they are f- afraid of death a lot of people are just afraid of it and so they don't want to offend you and so they say as you say things that sound kind of strange uh, I know how you feel, um, and they are probably equating, equating it with a loss of their loved one, how they felt. But dealing with grief, even though many of the symptoms are the same, like denial, uh, anger, um, bargaining with God, depression, Um, then finally accepting that my child or my loved one is gone, even though those may be very similar, they may not occur in that order. Some people may uh, deny first. Some people may go into depression second, or they may uh, blame God first. So um, that leaves the human mind are uh, kind of at a loss. And so when they say, I know how you feel, if it's your child, it is a different feeling, I believe, be- from another loved one. And why is that? Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the socialization that not only America, but the world has implanted in our minds. And that is that no parent should precede a child in death. It's just not normal. It's not the natural order of things. I brought that child into the world, we think, and certainly I should leave this world before my child. And I am accustomed to taking care of that child. And I believe that I'm not taking. If that child leaves before me, they are no longer in my care. That's what the socialization has done for us. And when that person said to you, when they maybe had not lost a child, they did not know how you felt. And that's why you probably thought it sounded very strange.
0: True. True. That is very true. You did. You mentioned something a moment ago about um, uh, guilt and uh, questioning God, and again, I could definitely relate to that because the first thing that um, you know, I went through a period of you know, what did I do, you know, <laughs> did, to to deserve this? You know what I mean? Um yes. like, you know, my my son was innocent. You know, he had nothing to do with nothing. You know, I kept him out of all the crazy stuff and sent him to a little country town in Texas where I grew up where, you know, there was no games, none of that, you know, and I'm like, okay, what could I have possibly done, you know, I definitely went through that one, so it took me some time and uh, another child, really, uh, my daughter, to actually kind of snapped me out of it. hmm
2: Well, that's a typical response um, because uh, I lost my daughter in 2005 to breast cancer and uh Number one, I did not think my daughter was going to pass away. I, I have a very extended um, background in in, in reading uh, about spirituality, and had some very ideas and beliefs and and of my own. And I had had many healings, uh, not just um, financial things, emotional things, but actually uh, physical healings. And so when the medical world gave up on my daughter, uh, I didn't believe for an instant that she was going to pass away. And so um, she and I entered into a phase of working for her metaphysically because she had been put into hospice. And um, so when she didn't live, when she passed away after about six months, Uh, I can identify with you. My first question was, uh, what did I do? Uh, I must not have understood God as I should have. Why did I think that I could do that? What did I do wrong? And then not only did I question myself and feel very guilty, I questioned God. Uh, And it goes back one of those symptoms you blame somebody uh with a child it's typical to blame ourselves because we brought that child into the world with another loved one is quite typical to blame other people but i blamed other people doctors um because um the doctors had had um attended to her properly my daughter had gone to another physician who had looked at what the surgery the surgeons had done and had said they should not have um, given my daughter the type of operation that they did to to restore the breast because she'd had two C-sections and they had taken away too much of the material in her ab- abdominal area. Well, of course I was blaming them. I was angry with them, and I was angry with God. And so I asked God, why have you forsaken me? I believed in you. I have, For 40 years I have served you. My daughter has served you. Why? You've had many you've shown me many healings in the world, not with just other people, but with myself. So why have you forsaken me? And the and the answer that came back was, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Well, I certainly didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to figure out what it meant. I just wanted to continue to blame God. But let me just say the first step in healing is recognition that you are grieving. Most of us don't go around saying, I'm grieving, and this is why I'm feeling numb, this is why I can't eat. This is why there's a knife twisting in my heart for the love of my child. This is why I want to get in the bed and cover my head and never get up. With me, it was busy, 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 busy. I wanted to keep busy. I was running a business. My daughter and I had been in business together. And so I was running that business with her children, her two children. So I busied myself. What was I doing? I was running away from the hurt. The pain because I did not want to uh, face it. And I thought that if I kept busy, I wouldn't think about it, which was not the case. And so uh, blaming uh, God, blaming other people, guilt is a typical uh, symptom of grief. Now, I have, once you discover that you are grieving, I believe there is a six-step process that one should go through. Would you like for me to walk you through those? Yes. Okay. Here we are in this dark world of grieving, you and I. And then while we are there, intuitively, which is the first stage, intuition, we hear mentally there's got to be something better than this. We don't know what it is, but we know it's got to be better. That's the intuition that's coming to us mentally. And then we say, if there is something better, what is it? And we begin to think about that more. And as we think about it, we may we develop more emotions or thoughts, processes, which I call hope. That intuition moves to the second stage, which I have a sense of hope that there is something better. Now let me see what that could be. Maybe it's going to uh, talking with a friend, a minister, a family member, going to a support system, listening to people talk about the loss of their children, and as you listen, you feel better. You don't know why you feel better. You just know that you do, and because you feel better, your hope grows, and you say, well, maybe I'll pick up the Bible and read it. That's what I did. I read I started reading things on death, which was not the right thing to do, but that's where I was. And I will tell you later why that was not the right thing to do. I began to read many, many citations on death, because at that time I thought, my daughter is dead, then I need to understand what death is. And so I read those things. I talked... To myself, I wrote things down. I have a tendency to put my thoughts on paper. And I would read those things. And then I felt better. And that hope began to grow into the third stage, which is called faith. And faith comes from the teeny experiences that we have had during the intuitive and the hope stage. That got us to the the stage of of uh, faith because we the, the pain in my in my heart was not as deep. I didn't dread so much going into my business. My daughter had dev- designed the store. Everything in there said my daughter. Her name was Mita. Everything said Mita Rose. Rose was her middle name. And so when I would get to that door. I would stop because I didn't want to go in because I was going to be reminded of all of that. But as I got to the faith stage, I could look back and say, I have the courage to go in because I did it yesterday. And I did it because I read something that said, you can do this. So then that faith stage, once you get there, you're going to do lots of things. And in that faith stage, as I was yelling and screaming at God one day and saying, I, Why do you keep telling me, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth? I don't really care about that. I don't care to what chasteness means. But doing this question and response stage, um, I, I say to people, when you hear an answer, always ask another question, but I hadn't done that. And so when, when that answer came back to me, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, a mental voice says, what does chastening mean? I hadn't asked myself that. I didn't care what it meant. But when I asked myself that, I heard purification, and then I said, Purify what? I served God. What do I need to purify? I was on his side, but he, let my, he didn't give me the understanding to heal my daughter. But then another question was, What do you think needs purifying? And then I had to listen and pause. And the, the answer came your thoughts purify your thoughts and I asked what do I need to do to purify my thoughts you see how you you when you get an answer you ask another question and that motivates you to move on well when I ask what do I need to do a mental voice said again you have been reading citations on death and you should have been reading citations on life And I was like, wow, that was a revelation. So I went to a book called Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy. My church members gave me lots of things to read on life. I looked looked up in the Bible concordance many uh, citations on life, and I began to understand better that life has a capital L, and that life is another synonym for God. And so I began to read about God as life. What does that mean, I kept asking myself. It means, number one, that God is the only existence. And not only is God the only existence, he created everything else. I began to see that not only did he create everything else, he created it Good. And not only is he the only existence, that existence has no beginning, and it has no ending. It's eternal. So then I was like, okay, now I'm, I'm focusing on uh, an, uh, uh, upper levels of thought, I call it. My thought is moving from the human realm of thoughts and beliefs to what I call a higher level of thought. And some people call it the Christ, that connection that you have with God. Because I truly believe the only way we're going to be healed permanently of grief is by reaching higher levels of thought. You can go to the psychiatrist, you can go to the psychologist, but I don't believe that they're going to get you there. Now, some of the people have different beliefs, but that's what my experience has been. So now we move from that faith stage to spiritual understanding. You see how we're progressing upwardly? Mm-hmm. And because as with each step you learn, and then doing that step of spiritual understanding, you're understanding life. And then I began to understand who I was, who my daughter was in relation to God as life. And I used a, a, a verse in Genesis that I had read many, many, many times, and that verse is Genesis one twenty-seven. Because I needed now to define who my daughter was as a child of God, and so that verse did it for me. It says that man is made in the image and likeness of God. Okay, I said, well, what does that really mean in relation to life? And the question says, do you understand fully what the word image means? And I thought, well, a little bit. An image is a likeness. And then it became clear, go and stand in front of the mirror. What you're looking at is an image of yourself. It is not who you It is an image of you. If you raise your hand, the image is going to do the same thing. If you shake your head, it's going to do the same thing. Now let's relate that to God and man. If God is life and my daughter and your son are made in the image and likeness of God who is life, then they are going to express that life Because they are the image of that life. And if God has no beginning and no ending, then my daughter has no beginning. And your son has no beginning and no ending. And then you say, well, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? My daughter is dead. My son is dead. And then you go back to many of those citations. They come back to you in that instance. How are you defining the substance of your child? What do you think your child is made of? Well, naturally, the human mind says flesh and blood. But Christians have learned, and not just Christians, but other religions, have learned for many years that flesh and blood doesn't define the spirituality of a man or a person. So you begin to... Move your thought from the human to the divine. And you begin to see that your daughter's, what your daughter or your son was made of, was something spiritual. Well, what was it? You go back to the Bible and you look up the word spirit. And you define, look at some of the synonyms of the substance of spirit. That is faith, that's hope that's understanding, that's perfection, that's humility, that's love. All of those qualities define spirituality. You are not spirit. God is spirit. I am not spirit. God is spirit. But we are made in the image and likeness of God, so we are spiritual. We are not flesh and blood. And if you are spiritual, what is it about you? If you cut your body open, you don't find anything in it that's spiritual because surgeons cut bodies open all the time. And I never heard one that said, I found something that was spiritual in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what is it then that defines man as spiritual? Do you see how the question and response thing goes? And then you say, okay, what is it? came to me is it's the divine consciousness of man that is spiritual and that consciousness has existed before your son was born your son had a divine consciousness before he was born to you and his mother my daughter had a divine consciousness before she was born to her father and me And if that consciousness has no beginning and no ending, then that consciousness lives beyond the human structure. And I concluded then that my daughter's not dead. She lives. And that gets you to, and I'm going to quickly round it out, that gets you to uh, the next stage, which is fruitage. That The fruitage is what you got from your spiritual understanding. And then the very last stage is reality. Why reality? You be, when I said, I now know the physical structure of my daughter passed away, but the true reality is not that she passed away because her consciousness still lives. And those are the seven steps. Now it took me two years to reach that point of struggling.
0: That, was, that was two. That was two <laughs> years uh, immediately after losing your daughter. or Was it two years later on?
2: Two years immediately after living, losing my daughter. Um, she passed away April twentieth of tw- two thousand and five, and two years later, around the, the end of two thousand and seven. I had reached what I call a definition of life as the divine activity of thought. And then the voice said, you need to write your daughter's story down. And that produced the book, The Unfolding of a Rose.
1: Hmm. Well, I I have a question. Could I ask a question, Dr. Smith? Sure. No. (laughs) No. He's not a nice person sometimes to me. <laughs> <laughs> my question is, in, in following with the logic that you just shared, mm-hmm. if your daughter has divine consciousness and is is not dead, what is the, the quality of your relationship with her now?
2: Well, the quality of my relationship is when I connect with what i call god some people call it light some people say universe some people say allah i don't care what you call it to me is you connect with something outside of the human realm of thought and when Mm -hmm. i connect with that that's where i believe my daughter is also connecting with that and then there is that sense of unity i don't know if that's making much sense to you but there's that sense of unity that we are together. We cannot communicate with me in this realm of consciousness because she is in another realm of consciousness. We cannot directly communicate, but when we both connect with the one mind, I call it, which is another synonym for God, we are connected. Maybe I can make it a little clearer. Uh, If I read to you... Uh, something that, uh, a poem that I wrote. One day, I was really, really suffering, and I cried out to God. And I said, God, if I could just hear my daughters talk to me once more. I was grieving terribly that day. And I listened. See, most of us don't listen for an answer. We talk but we don't listen. But when I asked, when I said that to God, I really listened, and here's what I heard. And it spoke to me in the voice of my daughter. I do not leave you. I did not leave you behind. Together we walk hand in hand with a father, both yours and mine, who travels with us throughout the land. Do not cry. Do not weep. I am not dead. I do not sleep. My smile is just as fresh today as it was the day I went away. My days are filled with thoughts of God. He is ever with me wherever I trod. The walk is not lonely. It is not sad. I hold the hand of my only dad. So let your day be filled with joy for every girl and every boy. Do not cry. Do not weep. I am not dead. I do not sleep. That Now you see what I meant by that connection. Mm-hmm. Or do you see?
1: Well, I do, and, and I wanted to make sure, Lamont. Did you have a, another question? Because I have like twenty-five.
0: <laughs> no, you can go ahead. But I was just, you just sure? a, a comment on your name is Palm. That was heavy. That was deep. Should I say? I really like that. Oh, thank you,
2: thank you. They weren't my words. <laughs> they were given to me through by God through the voice of my daughter. Okay
0: got it well i like the way you (laughs) shared it with me how about that oh thank
2: you thank you i appreciate
0: that okay now matt you can go
1: (laughs) i i'm interested in this idea that you're talking about and i i about an endless kind of existence that person has in this consciousness and and you're you're describing your daughter um, as having a life in this other realm, I suppose. Um, do you think uh, – the reason I'm asking this kind of question is I, I know people who have lost children that were very young, and I'm wondering um, what's your thought about what happens – do Is there an aging process that goes on after these people die or, or pass on? Is there a, a, a revisiting to life? Do you think of your daughter as having had one physical existence, or do you think of her as possibly having had more? Um, is that something that you could comment on?
2: Yes, there, I can comment on that. I think physicality is the realm of life that stops when the body passes away. Mm-hmm. And so I do not believe that, At the, but what I do believe, let me just backtrack a little bit, what I do believe that at the moment that my daughter and your loved ones and, and your, your co-hosts, Uh, Help me with your name, please. Uh,
1: Lamont.
2: Matthew. Matthew. Okay, Matthew's son. The moment that Matthew... Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's
1: Lamont's 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 son. Lamont's
2: son. Okay. The moment that Lamont's son passed away, that son recognized that he wasn't dead. We believe that son was dead why do we believe that son was dead is because we were saying that the life of that son was in his body and your son Mm -hmm. may have believed that too you see what i'm saying but the moment that he made his transition he was in another consciousness that you and i cannot get in right now because we are in a physical world a different consciousness Mm -hmm. Okay. We can connect with God just as that consciousness can connect with God. Every every consciousness can always, no matter what it stage or end, I believe you can connect with God. But we cannot connect with each other because we're in different levels of consciousness. So the moment that Lamont's son passed away, he knew he wasn't dead. Now... Don't ask me, because I haven't, my level of understanding hasn't gotten to what that consciousness looks like, what that body looks like. I just believe that the body is a consciousness that continues to grow. It moves higher and higher. It never reaches the level of God, but it reaches the level of perfection, because Man is made in the image and likeness of God, and I see God as perfect. And if your Lamont son is made in the image and likeness of God, he is also perfect. We are perfect here. The difference between the perfection and imperfection is that we have been trained humanly of all of the imperfections of the human world, and that fills our consciousness. And prevents us from connecting with the consciousness that we had before we were born into this human form. Am I making any sense?
1: No, I understand. I understand what you're saying, um, Lamar, What what kind of response are you having to this? As you're hearing this, are you? Um, does it um, give you a sense of? Um, Does it change how you feel about the loss of your son at all, or does it give you a a sense of hope or or possibility, or how how is this touching you?
0: I guess my experience was different, but we came to the same end, just a a little bit different. I know I kind of checked out everything for a couple years, too. You know, I guess that was the time period where I just was questioning everything and Blaming everything And wondering around Why things happened The way that it did And, you know And I just stopped working Period, you know And at that particular time You know, I was working With a lot of hip-hop Rap artists And, you know um, Anybody that looked like A rapper Had on baggy pants Or a baggy shirt I I just didn't want to produce No music have nothing to do with them I, I just didn't want to do nothing Basically, I just stopped working And, um you know one day my daughter just came to me and she just said hey pops you know you know what about me you know you still got me Mm -hmm. and uh it was like a lightning bolt hit me or a ton of bricks hit me it looked like I just you know woke up instantly you know because before that I was just kind of like walking around in a in a a fog in a a daze for two years you know I was seeing people but I wasn't seeing them I was hearing them but I wasn't hearing them you know
2: Mm-hmm. And I that understand that
0: Yeah
2: Because your thoughts are filled with I want my child back <laughs> Why did my child die? Uh, do you mind my asking you How your son passed away?
0: No, not at all You know, I've I've been in the music industry all my life And, um, you know, Shaka Khan was my son's godmother And I kept him around kind of what I did and um, he went to uh, a video shoot one night, against my will, actually. He had told me that he was going down to the street uh, to his friend's house to play video games. And, you know, much like all of us did at one point in time, you know, one of his high school friends came by had his sister's car, and, you know, they jumped in the car and going to go over here to this video shoot right quick, and they were going to be back before anybody was the wiser. But. Sure. uh, uh Unfortunately, as it turned out, you know, there was some clown that, you know, wasn't invited, you know, it was a closed set, and, uh, you know, he just started shooting in the air, and my son was hit by a stray bullet, so he never saw Mm -hmm. what happened, who shot him, or or Mm -hmm. any of that, but because it was a music-related incident, and it was a hip-hop artist that was doing the video, and because that's what I did for a living, I just didn't want to have nothing to do with it, I just... Stop working. I just quit. You know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know anybody that had, like I said, hip hop clothing, a bag and clothing. All I saw was a person that had something to do with killing my son.
2: Hmm. And I that is very understandable. Did you ever ask yourself, which is a very normal question to ask, and many people do, as I talk to them, like, well, why did I let my son go? That's part of the guilt. Mine was Well,
0: right. I I did ask that, but in this particular situation, uh-huh. I, I didn't let him go. I let him go down the street, but I didn't let him go to the video thing. So I, I did pick. ask that, but I also asked the question before that because I okay. had let him stay in my little hometown in the country where I came from where, you know, it was a totally different lifestyle. And I'm like, yeah. like, why didn't I leave him there? Why did I let him come back to California? That was the question.
2: Exactly. And did you find... I I asked very similar questions, as you heard, and what I didn't do the first part of those months that I was going through uh, was to answer those questions, listen for an answer, and see that how I would answer that, how the message that would come to me may be different from the one that comes to you because you're going to be using your higher level of thought and you're going to be reaching for what you believe is a higher level of thought. And those answers, I believe God touches us all where we are. I don't know if that makes any sense, but to me... It does. Okay. So when you ask God, <clears throat> when I ask God, why have you forsaken me? Why, I did also ask another question. Why did you let my daughter die? And the answer was, she's not your daughter, she's mine. And I said, what? <laughs> Do you see? And then I asked her, how is she your daughter? You see what I'm saying? And then the answer came back to me, I created everything. And I am the father and mother of all of my creation. Do you see how those answers were were getting to me? Mm -hmm. Why were they getting to me? It was because I asked the question. That's why I believe part of the healing process is what I call a question and response, period. You have to take yourself through. Even though they hurt like mad. Most people don't want to talk about your child's death. They don't want to, or your loved one's death. Or you don't want to talk about how that child passed away. I didn't, I, I didn't want to talk about cancer. But I made myself speak to cancer organizations. And then I learned from them what they were going through. So all I'm saying is those, when you ask God a question, a human question, God, who is spirit, doesn't give you a human answer. He gives you a divine answer, and many times we don't understand what the answer is, and we don't want to hear it. Mine was, I didn't want to hear it. Don't tell me, whom the Lord loved it. He chastened us. I don't want to hear that. I could care less about that. I just want my child back. And so we have to grow, and it's not time. I don't think time makes a difference. I know many people do. Mm-hmm. I right. think it's, Yeah, I don't think time is the healing process. I, think I agree with you. Yes, what you take yourself through and what you listen and what you ask mm-hmm. and what you experience, that's what makes the healing come through.
1: That's true. I've seen people stay in grief for lifetimes.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yes. I want to ask a question of both of you um, and see what each of your answers are because, I mean, you're talking about two losses here that are terribly tragic do what do each of you think about the idea that we are we each have a certain time that we have on this planet and then it's time to go it's time to go
2: would you like to go first Lamont
1: oh
0: well yeah my apple is quick (laughs) and simple yeah, I, I like like Mamie said. We we all belong to Big Boy, and I think whatever his plan is, she didn't say a be. word
1: about Big Boy. Uh,
0: yes, she did. Her not, whole her, her no, half, half half she half her, like half. Look, I'm gonna slap you. Half her conversation has been about Big Boy upstairs. I know. I know what you've been talking about. Have you been listening? We've been talking about God. Have you been listening? We've been talking about Big G. We've been talking about Big Boy. Okay, now um, and and keep you didn't threw my whole train of thought off, Matthew. That's what I was trying to do. (laughs) Excuse him, maybe. But anyway, (laughs) uh, uh, following that train of thought, you know, if if he has a divine plan and, and and which he does. I think whatever time he calls us home, that's just what time that is. I I don't really think we have no say so about that. You know, I, I hear people all the time, you know, well I don't wanna ride a motorcycle, well I don't wanna I don't wanna fly, I don't wanna go visit my kids on a plane because the planes fall out of the sky. Yeah, well I see people having heart attacks sitting on the toilet too. But <laughs> yeah. so I I think when it's your time to go home, it's your time. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. I understand you could rush things, go out and do something, you know, uh, tremendously stupid, but then at the same token, I see people do that and don't get a scratch. So Mm -hmm. that makes me believe, too, that there's something bigger than what we want to do at work here, if that that makes sense.
2: What do you think about this? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, There is a marked difference, and this is what I hear Lamont saying: There is a marked difference between the will of man and the will of God. Now, my view of God is God is life, and I don't believe that God is life and God is death. No, I believe that God is only life, and death is the belief of the human mind. Because we believe that life is in the physical body, but I don't believe I believe God is spirit, and the man that He made is spiritual. Now, getting back to that, um, so I believe that every person has a pur- purse, purpose here, and it doesn't matter whether it is uh, the person is one year old when they pass away, or whether they are a hundred years old. And you said, well, what would be the purpose of a one year old? Well, that one year old is a spiritual idea with a consciousness from God. And even though, in my book, I talk about, uh, because my daughter's last name was Rose, and I said, the life is like a rose, it unfolds day by day. The human life is like a rose, it unfolds day by day. And in that unfoldment, we learn who our true, or uh, what our true identity is. Now, the one-year-old may have been great that he passed away because he didn't get all of the uh, the years of human um, illusions put in his consciousness that he had to get rid of, that you and I have to get rid of, you know? And um, so that's not a bad thing. And then I look at Jesus. Jesus was only 33 years old when he passed away, but twenty two thousand and sixteen years later, we are still honoring that man we're not honoring the physicality of jesus that 's not what we 're honoring we're honoring the spiritual life that he lived and his life involved showing people he said sickness is not a reality It's owner a reality because the human mind believes that the body is the is, is, is um a real thing and not an illusion. But Jesus knew that the physical body was not the body that God had created, and he tried to show that to mankind by healing that body, by saying, listen, let's get rid of that belief and say God didn't create a physical body, he created a spiritual body. And because his connection was so clear and so understanding of God. And I do not believe Jesus and God are the same people. There are people who would say she's crazy. But I believe Jesus was the son of God, which is what he said he was. And I don't know how people got, when I read the scriptures, I don't get Jesus as God. I get Jesus as the son of God. And being that son, you are that son, uh, both of you. I am that child of God. And so, 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 the human mind then uh, needs to empty itself of all of the illusions that it learns while here in this human world, this human universe, this universe of gases and liquids and whatever. But the heavenly universe is not made of gas and li- it's a spiritual universe. So it doesn't matter the length of time one stays. It what matters. Is the divine qualities that that person exhibits while they are here, my mother passed away July fifth of this year she was ninety seven oh, wow. uh i i don't I don't think she had any more spirituality than my daughter uh the, your son you understand what I'm saying because God made all three of these
0: mhm
2: so uh, and so there are those of us who want to be here a hundred years. We're just wanting this physical body to be here. As I grow spiritually, my thought is, what can I contribute spiritually to this world to make it a better place? And that's what Jesus' purpose was. He he was trying to make, that's why he healed the sick. He cast out demons. He raised the dead. He was saying all of these things are in direct opposition to the man that God created. And I'm going to show you that. And I'm going to show you that death has no reality because I'm going to allow them to kill this physical structure and I'm going to bring it back in the same condition that it was when, you, when they killed it. Do you remember? If you, read the, if you read the scripture, he says, put your finger in my side where they had pierced his side. Look at the nail prints in my hand. He purposely brought the body back in the same condition, because he was trying to tell the people that this body is not my life. It's not who I am. It never was, and it's not yours either. What your life is, is what I have shown you. I have shown you to heal the sick. I have shown you how to catch sin out of people. I have lived a life without sin. And I have shown you how to live your life. I'm not going to live it for you. I
1: know So be I, I i Go Forgive ahead. me for interrupting. I Go ahead. I wanted to ask a question I'm um, hearing I think you said it before, but I just want to bring it back. Um I heard you say that in order to really heal um the loss, and I'm assuming that you're saying that healing the loss is possible. Um yeah. it, one needs to have um, what sounds like a fairly meaningful spirituality and faith. That sounds like that's a a basic ingredient in the, in the process that you're talking about.
2: Yes. You, as I said initially, I prefer to call it higher levels of thought, because uh, I don't criticize anyone's religion. I believe that whatever that religion is, it's giving you some substance of good. And so if you're getting, you're meaning anyone, if anyone is receiving higher levels of thought from reading or studying or practicing, even though I may not choose to practice that same one, uh, then then that's good. So... Um, for, for, for you or anyone else to conquer any of the ills of the flesh, including loss of a loved one, because what we're grieving for is the loss of that physicality. That's what we think we're grieving for. But what we're mm-hmm. really grieving for is what the qualities that those people expressed. It's like my daughter, when I really, really faced it, i was my daughter was a was a beautiful person in the sense that she gave of herself mm-hmm. People would come into the store and 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 talk to her so that she could express and they uh, her thoughts about what they were talking about. she gave them uh, something to to make their lives better. Well, that was not her blood and flesh and blood wasn't doing that. That was her divine connection that was doing that. So for anyone to overcome the loss of a child, the loss of a loved one, you, in my opinion, you must connect with something higher than the human realm of thought, whatever you call it.
1: Okay. I understand.
0: I got. Let me throw one in there real quick too, because I want to okay. know this one. Uh, does every person grieve the same, or do people grieve differently?
2: People grieve differently. Why do they grieve differently? Because of the experiences that they have had. Uh, let's say that. Um, um, My experiences with, um, let's say my child were killed um, with a bullet. Part of my grief is going to cover the person who fired the gun, just like you did, Lamont, who who fired the gun with your son. Part of your grief involved that person. Am I correct?
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah and and so you had to free yourself at some point to move on now i'm not saying you love the act that that person nobody loves a an, an evil act never do you love an evil act but and you don't love the the person evil doing the act what you love is the man that god created the one made in his image and likeness why do you love the man Uh, It's like the doctors whom I believe partially helped kill my daughter because of their inexperience or their experience with whatever they were doing. Um, I had to free myself from being angry with them. Why did I need to do that? Not for the doctor's sake, but for my own. Because I'm carrying around resentment, anger, bitterness, and who is that hurting? It's not hurting the doctors. They don't even know I'm carrying it around. And if they did, they probably wouldn't care. So the person, when you love, that's why the, the teachings of Jesus were always based on love. He wasn't saying, love the guy that crucified me. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, love the guy that doesn't who crucified me who doesn't know that God made him spiritual. That's what he was saying. I mean, does that make any sense?
0: Yep, and he also said, vengeance is mine.
2: Exactly, exactly. So for freedom and to heal, you've got to connect with something outside of the human realm of thought.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow, Mamie, real quick, I didn't mean to stop you, but like we're down to like a minute and a half left of the show and <laughs> time just and flew by <laughs> but I definitely want to give you the opportunity to tell our audience and listeners where they can get in touch with you and go get your work, please. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you.
2: Yes, um, you can contact me, on, at, and I do respond to emails, Mamie at Y. Mail dot com like Gmail. This is SmithMamie at ymail dot com. If you would like to go to my, I have several websites, but I'll give you a couple. One is SmithMamie dot com. There's a contact page on there. You can contact me that way. Uh, There's another one, the the Unfolding of a Rose dot com. There's a contact page on there, and um, and I would, if you have questions or you want to make comments, I would be more than happy to listen. And if you would lock, like to take a look at one of my my books, they are on Amazon.com and Barnes and & Noble. One is, um, the one that we were talking about today is The Unfolding of a Rose by Mimi Smith. The reason I say by Mimi Smith, there is another unfolding of a rose out there. I didn't know that when I read, wrote, um, I didn't do the proper research. But, um, uh, but this one is by Mimi Smith. And... Uh, So uh, in the last three chapters of that book, I get very metaphysical in the sense that I take you through every step, every pain, every cry, and then I give you solutions.
0: All right. Well, thank you, Mamie. We're definitely going to invite you back to our show. We'll definitely have to have you come back. Thank
1: you you very much, Mamie.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate you guys.
1: God bless you.
2: God bless both of you, and thank you so much for having me.
1: You're very welcome.
0: first admit that I've had the fun with some of the prettiest girls. But temptation gets strong sometimes. But if it lasts too long, oh, you always seem to call me at the right